MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, July 17th, 2020. Today, Governor Kemp of Georgia explicitly voids mask orders in 15 municipalities. The CDC COVID data websites has gone dark. Trump's Rose Garden rally was a warning to China and 2020 voters. SCOTUS voted 6-3 to three to decline to make it easier for tens of thousands of convicted felons in Florida to vote in 2020. The administration continues to target non-loyal agency appointees. 87 Breonna Taylor protesters are charged with felonies. The postmaster general tells carriers to abandon some mail. The hearing on the Manhattan DA versus Mazars for Trump's tax returns. And the White House sent a memo to the Pentagon criticizing Colonel Vindman after the impeachment hearings. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. We have a big show today, as you can tell by all the headlines in the thing. Uh, we're going to have Amy Carrero joining us for News from Under the Radar today. She'll be with us every Friday from now, and I'm really excited about this. She is the voice of She-Ra on Netflix. She's an absolute a stunner of a political wealth of knowledge. I just absolutely love her. So she'll be joining us later. Uh, and we will ha- be having a discussion with former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, Mr. Frank Figliuzzi, with a warning about the 2020 election. And then, of course, Jordan Coburn will be with us for the good news segment. We have a lot to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So I woke up this morning to a tweet showing a screenshot of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's COVID data website, and it was totally blank. Uh, In a thread on Twitter by former senior fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations, Pulitzer Prize winner, the author of The Coming Plague, Lori Garrett put together a Twitter thread. Uh, You've likely seen her on Matto in recent weeks. Uh, She tweeted, quote, if this were audio, I would be shouting. On July 10th, The Department of Health and Human Services issued a report that announced that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention would no longer be collecting epidemic hospital data for the first time in modern U.S. epidemic history. The order was buried in an obscure document that most did not notice until yesterday. And now, according to Garrett, hospital directors and public health officials are vocally opposing this move, uh, though Dr. Redfield, the director of the CDC, has remained silent. As it turns out, Health and Human Services ceded the COVID-19 data collection to a private company. And in a letter back in early June, Senator Patty Murray, she's a Democrat from Washington and a ranking member of the Senate Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee, she penned a letter to Dr. Redfield at the CDC and Robert Cadleck, who you'll remember from the whistleblower complaint from Dr. Robert Bright. And the senator, and she, Patty Murray, demanded answers about the awarding of a non-competitive multi-million dollar contract for a seemingly duplicative data collection system. She detailed how the contract seemed to duplicate the work done by the CDC's National Healthcare Safety Network, or NHSN, by creating a second mechanism through which hospitals would report the same information already collected by the CDC. So if you're following along at home, Trump was using your taxpayer money uh, for a contract to pay a private company to collect your COVID data, and that was non-competitive. The letter, according to Lori Garrett, grabbed the attention of former CDC director Tom Frieden, who yesterday tweeted a thread denouncing the Trump administration's treatment of the CDC amid the coronavirus crisis. 
And here's that thread. He says, quote, the way to make Americans safer is to build on, not bypass our public health system. CDC's National Healthcare Safety Network has been a comprehensive resource to support hospitals and increase public accountability for decades. Rather than strengthening the public health data system to improve hospital reporting, this administration has chosen to hand data to an unproven commercial entity reporting to political appointees and not scientific experts. Uh, As with mask recommendations and schools reopening, um, this administration has sidelined and undermined CDC in the middle of the worst pandemic in 100 years. People in Arizona, Texas, Florida, and elsewhere are already paying the price for this. The new White House HHS data process raises fundamental concerns. What data will be collected? Uh, How? By whom? With what standards? Under what authority? What quality checks and privacy safeguards will be implemented? Very big on the privacy safeguards. How will institutions collecting data be supported? How will accuracy and completeness of data be assured? With whom will the data be shared? And for what will it be used? Uh, In the coming days, let's see how the administration, having undermined a program that took 20 years to build, addresses these and other fundamental questions. That was uh, Friedman's tweet, uh, thread, I should say. And, and that was embedded inside Lori Garrett's thread. Back to Lori Garrett. She continues with HHS Assistant Secretary Mike Caputo. That's a Roger Stone associate mentioned multiple times in the Mueller report and who was likely installed to control the data coming into HHS on behalf of Trump. Caputo told NPR, quote, the CDC's old data gathering operation once worked well, but it's an inadequate system today. The president's coronavirus task force has urged improvements for months, but they just can't keep up with this pandemic. Public health data collected with taxpayer money during a pandemic should not be turned over to a private company hidden from scientific and academic analysis. Uh, Will the company be allowed to sell the data? Who is the gatekeeper? Is it Caputo, the guy connected to Roger Stone who was knee deep in the Russia investigation? Put that in context that, you know, that we just learned today that Russian cyber actors are now targeting organizations involved in coronavirus vaccine development. That's according to new, a new warning by U.S., U.K. and Canadian security officials um, that details activity by Russian, the, a Russian hacking group, APT29, which goes by the name Cozy Bear. Sound familiar? Fuck yeah, it does. So we got a guy from the Mueller report, Caputo. We got Cozy Bear trying to hack into our vaccines and steal our, um, you know, our uh, intellectual property. And all the while, Trump wants to take your data, your COVID data, in, and put it through a private company in a non awarded a non competitive contract, headed by the health the Department of Health and Human Services directly through the Trump administration. What could go wrong? An advisory published by the UK National Cybersecurity Center detailed activity by the Russian hacking group, uh, Cozy Bear and explicitly calls out efforts to target U.S., U.K., and Canadian vaccine research and development organizations. Uh, Quote, APT29's campaign of malicious activity is ongoing, predominantly against government, diplomatic, think tank, healthcare, and energy targets to steal valuable intellectual property. That's according to a press release. Um, Then Garrett continues and says that Dr. Redfield's office, the CDC, told ABC News that CDC has complete control over uh, the individuals within the CDC who get the access to the data. And the data move could block studies uh, of the efficacy of drugs and treatments such as remdesivir in hospitals. Um, Four former directors of the CDC have denounced the data scheme and the White House uh, commanded changes in the CDC school reopening guidelines 
Garrett ends the thread by saying, in her opinion, the Trump administration is hoping to get Trump reelected by hiding the truth about COVID-19, denouncing too much testing, making it hard for states to find testing kits and bypassing data collection. All of it smacks of adjusting the pandemic narrative for the purpose of getting reelected. And I 100 percent agree. And this just in, though tweeted again by Lori Garrett, the White House and Health and Human Services have caved under the massive pressure and are now restoring data collection to the CDC. Quote, the Department of Health and Human Services directed the CDC to reestablish on their website public hospital data after they were criticized because some of it was removed Wednesday. Uh, As of now, the previously removed dashboard uh, modules are back online. The CDC has also added uh, language uh, to their page announcing they will not be updating the data past July 14th. Okay. And also in coronavirus news today, travel bans meant to stop the coronavirus from getting to the U.S. from China and Europe came too late. That's according to a new analysis of cases from the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, our good old CDC. The U.S. restricted travel from China on February 2nd and from Europe on March 13th. But by March 8th, COVID-19 was already circulating among among the community in New York City. And by March 15th, community transmission of the virus was already widespread. That's according to the analysis by the CDC. What was circulating most closely matched the strain of the virus circulating in Europe, not China, which President Donald Trump has repeatedly blamed for not preventing its spread to the U.S. So not only is his claim that his shutting the, the China travel ban helped save millions of lives, not only is that bullshit... This came from Europe and his travel ban was too late. The people in that, you know, that uh, uh, Crimson Tide or Hunt for Red October, whatever email group, all the top doctors that are emailing each other. We reported on that a couple of months ago. They were all saying this travel ban is useless. We said it on our show, too, echoing the what the scientific and, and medical experts were saying and epidemiologists were saying. It is way too late to do a travel ban. That is stupid. We need to focus on testing and contact tracing. It's too late to do a travel ban. This is just another study that bolsters that. And by the time the Trump administration had placed travel restrictions on Europe, the importation of the virus and the community spread of the disease had already started in New York City. Testing was limited at the start of the epidemic in New York City, which allowed people with undetected cases to spread the virus. Trump has repeatedly pointed to his travel bans, like I said, as evidence that his administration effectively responded to the pandemic, because those are the only actions he took. Uh, Claiming as recently as Tuesday, we saved millions, potentially millions of lives. Uh, The new study looked at data collected by the New York Department of Health and Mental Hygiene between March 1st and March 20th, the early days of the pandemic in the U.S., the department announced on March 8th that there, were, there was sustained community transmission. The department examined specimens taken from people who went to the emergency room with flu-like symptoms. Of the 544 specimens tested, 36, or almost 7%, were positive for the novel coronavirus. Uh, doing additional genetic sequencing of the samples, the strain of the virus more closely resembled the one from Europe rather than the one from China. That means the novel coronavirus was likely introduced to New York through Europe or by travelers from other U.S. locations. And finally, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp on Wednesday has suspended all local government mask mandates despite the rise in coronavirus cases and hospitalizations in his state. Under the executive order, Republican governor extended the state's public emergency and said face coverings are strongly encouraged but not required. Kemp's executive order voids mask mandates imposed by some local governments as COVID-19 cases tick up in cities across the state, already claiming over 3,000 lives. Even as Kemp has been resistant to a statewide mask mandate for Georgia, other Republican governors are now requiring face coverings in their state. 
Uh, but Kemp's previous executive orders prohibited local action from being more restrictive than the state's requirements. But Wednesday's order specifically mentioned facial coverings and mask mandates. And the mayor of Savannah, who signed a mask mandate for the city, fired back at Kemp's decision, saying, quote, It is officially official. Governor Kemp does not give a damn about us, unquote. Uh, that's Mayor Van Johnson, and he wrote that in a tweet. And he also said, Every man and woman for himself, herself. Ignore the science and survive the best you can. Savannah residents beginning July 1st were required to wear a face mask covering or face up to a $500 fine. So that's what's going on in the world of coronavirus. Um, there are, I know, more updates. Um, we will uh, continue to keep you abreast of the situation. Uh, as you know, we, we surpassed 3.5 million cases uh, and 138,000 deaths uh, in the United States as of this recording, which is Thursday night. So... Uh, everybody, just be safe. You know, stay home, socially distance, wear a mask. Um, I think you know we've been saying this since the since the jump. So uh, we will be right back. Though we have news from under the radar, a lot of other headlines to get to today, and I'll be joined by special guest Amy Carrero. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG. I'd like to thank our sponsor Helix Sleep for supporting Daily Beans. Like most people, uh, I've had a lot of sleep issues, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, insomnia, tossing and turning, uh, waking up sore and cranky. I used to think it was from all the stress of today's insane news, which has a lot to do with it, but it also turns out I was sleeping on a trash mattress. It was mostly my mattress. Uh, for me, everything changed when I got my Helix mattress. Helix understands that you are unique and customizes their mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. Uh, Helix created a sleep quiz, takes just two minutes to complete, and they use answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. It's customized. If you uh, like mattresses that are soft or if you like firm, if you're a side sleeper, hot sleeper, sleep on your back, sleep on your stomach... Uh, Helix, there is a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. Uh, like me, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on, I'm a side sleeper and I sleep hot. And it's perfect for me. It's like sleeping on a cloud. I absolutely love it. You know, Jordan loves hers. Joelle and Amanda love theirs. And, uh, you know, have to take our words for it. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for free for 100 sleeps. Uh, they'll even pick it up if you don't love it, but you will love it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for news from under the radar. And joining us today is a very special guest. Uh, I love her. You love her. She voices She-Ra on Netflix. Uh, you know, Amy Carrero. Amy, how are you? Hello. I'm good. I just I just completed my 32nd trip around the sun. Or no, my 31st. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. I'm 32. I don't know. I'm bad at math, too. So there you go. <laughs> completed my 30 you have to count the nine months before yes that's true in utero i was also traveling in through space um so yeah i'm, I'm you know it's, it's so weird have you had your birthday yet during quarantine or is it coming up uh no my birthday was right before it was january 20th me uh, uh me and the you know the, uh, inauguration day is my oh, birthday shit. so <laughs> And my license just expired, and I had an appointment to go get a new one, like, in February, because we have to do the right. real ID now. Yes, And yes. that got shut down. I just, so I don't, have, I don't have a license. So, cool. Um, they'll probably come after me now. It did. This year doesn't count. It doesn't, doesn't count. It doesn't feel like it, right? It should also not count in aging. So, while you've had Correct. a birthday, I, I really feel like any 
aging our bodies do should be revoked and we should get clemency for that time. Absolutely. I need to talk to the manager of my nasal labial folds or whatever they're called. Mm. Nasal label. Mm. It's like the <laughs> smile lines. I, that sounds so sexual. It's not. It's just your smile lines. It's a very scientific term. <laughs> uh, but I, I'd like to reverse them, please, manager. Yeah. I need my 11s gone. That's the little, you know, uh-huh. Susan Collins brow furrowing marks that happen. <laughs> yeah. How will we really know if she's concerned? <laughs> I think that's that's the new name for them. Whenever you go get your Botox, it's no longer the 11s. It's the Susan Collins. Can you get rid of my Susan Collins? Give me the Susan Collins. <laughs> yes. And also get rid of Susan Collins while you're at it. We're <laughs> <laughs> only that easy. Um, yes. I have uh, uh, several headlines to discuss with you today. Uh, I'll just go ahead and start here. I'm going to read them to you. Uh, the first headline, and this really, really... Um, is extremely upsetting. 87 people were arrested and charged with a felony after a Tuesday protest on the lawn of Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, the Louisville Metro Police Department said in a statement, this is in Louisville, Kentucky, the protesters were demanding that charges be filed against the officers responsible for the March shooting death of Breonna Taylor. So it's official. More people have been arrested for protesting the murder of Breonna Taylor than those who have killed her. Uh, Only one of the four officers involved has been arrested and no charges have been filed. So that's happening. 87 felonies. That's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you sent me this via email, you were like, this should sufficiently piss you off. And it's so (laughs) true because, well, first of all, I don't know if this was kind of like one of those weird things that went around and it's undated, but there was a picture going around Twitter a couple of days ago um, featuring one of the officers involved in the murder of Breonna Taylor, like vacationing in Florida. And the caption was like, I feel so at peace or some crap. And, and, you know, made its rounds around Twitter. Again, I don't know if it's a recent picture, but it just, it just made me so furious because what are they doing? Didn't they reopen this investigation? Like what's going on there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, they had arrested one guy. Um, The other three are still, free and they haven't brought any charges so i i'm assuming the grand jury is still investigating uh but we just haven't seen any fruits of that investigation and it it is it's extremely troubling uh especially with these these two systems of justice quote-unquote justice in our country where somebody like roger stone gets a full Mm -hmm. commutation of his sentence um yet here we are where the the murderers of brianna taylor are just walking free just walking free and going to the beach Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah, you know? I don't oh. even go to the beach right now. Yeah, come on, it's really depressing. It's terrible, and and it's it's extra depressing because, you know, I just feel like the, you know, she was so young and she's she was a a woman and you know had her whole life ahead of her and and in a way it's like we all promised her justice, you know, and we haven't delivered it and it's been delayed and it's just extra heartbreaking for her family members. So I. I'm really hoping we can at least get an update. Just like, hey guys, this is what we're working on. It's moving along. Just like, show your, you know, show your face. Like, give us a little peekaboo behind the curtain, just so we know things are happening. Yeah, something, anything. I mean, the, uh, you know, an outrage works, and so we just need to keep our voices up. 
Um, we just can't let it, let the story disappear. Um, right. And speaking of felons and how our system of justice operates, justice in quotes, the Supreme Court on Thursday said Florida can enforce, yes, it can enforce a law barring ex-felons from voting if they still owe court fines or fees that they're unable to pay associated with their convictions. Uh, I thought that that amounted to a poll tax. Um, But the unsigned order likely means that the law will be in effect for the November election, although the court did not declare the law to be unconstitutional or limit ongoing court challenges. So they they didn't make a call on the merits and the constitutionality of it because it's clearly unconstitutional. But they they aren't, you know, going to block this law on an emergency basis. And other courts can deal with it. The lower courts can oh. deal with it, basically. And liberal um, liberal justices Sonia Sotomayor, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Elena Kagan all dissented, saying this court's order, this is what Sotomayor wrote, this court's order prevents thousands of otherwise eligible voters from participating in Florida's primary elections simply because they are poor. Right. So Didn't he, didn't uh, the governor or somebody, didn't they pass a law in Florida? They voted so that felons could vote. And then... They did this back, back, you know, backdoor deal where now they've put this provision in to limit that, even though people voted for. That's that's precisely what happened. Yeah, they voted overwhelmingly on a referendum to allow ex felons to vote, and then the the governor and and the Republican legislature put together a law saying, okay, cool, but they have to pay their fines and fees. And then there was a lawsuit saying that's unconstitutional. It amounts to a poll tax. Every judge, all the judges agreed, and it got sent up. They kept appealing and went up finally to appeal to the Supreme Court to make sure that this law can go into effect or that it's not. there's not an injunction against the law. And the Supreme Court agreed and said, you're going to have to decide this in the lower courts on the merits. But for now, mm-hmm. the law can go forward, uh, preventing them from voting or without paying their fees. Is there a reason why they decided not to take this case like take it up is there a specific reason for it or they just were prioritizing other things well it's an emergency ask right so it's it's not in the normal order of the way that they hear Mm. cases on the merits etc um so that's sort of what their decision is um and of course you know like i said it 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 is it's it's a poll tax and it, mm-hmm. it, it disenfranchises and disproportionately impacts people of color. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's makes you wonder about the 87 felony arrests in a Breonna Taylor protest that that are now felons. You know, exactly. Um, what's the point behind that? And also, like, I know that Roger Stone's uh, sentence was commuted. But if, if he let's say he had served his time, gotten out of jail, paid his court fees and all this, he would be able to vote as an ex-felon, but not, you know, the kid from down the block who got caught with a dime bag of weed. Right, because he can't afford the $10,000 fine for, you know, for selling weed. Unreal. Um, It is unreal. Uh, Next, uh, let's see here. A major Trump donor and new head of the U.S. Postal Service established a major operational changes on Monday that could slow down mail delivery, warning employees the agency would not survive unless it made difficult changes to cut costs. But... Critics say such a philosophical sea change would sacrifice operational efficiency and cede its competitive edge to UPS, FedEx, and other private sector rivals. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy told employees to leave mail behind at the distribution centers if it delayed letter carriers from their routes. And that's according to internal USPS documents obtained by Washington Post and verified by the American Postal Workers Union and three people with knowledge of their contents. 
but they all spoke on the condition of anonymity to avoid retribution. Uh, the changes also worry vote-by-mail advocates who insist that any policy that slows delivery could imperil access to mailed and absentee ballots. It reinforces the need, they say, for Congress to provide the agency with emergency coronavirus funding. We had reported, Amy, a couple of days ago about, you know, the, the NPR did a story that there were over like almost 70,000 ballots, mail-in ballots in this year's primary elections alone that were not counted right. because they arrived after the uh, the deadline date, you know, most states like California, they say they have to be postmarked before right, uh, right, the right. end of the day on Election Day. Some states say that they have to be received. And if they slow the mail down on purpose, Trump slows the mail down on purpose, we could have far more than 65,000 ballots. We could be in the we could be in the millions of ballots that don't get counted that are just sort of left behind because they, you know, they yep. might interfere with their routes, you know, their routes, according to according to these documents. This is the thing that I'm like, I know that so many egregious things are happening right in front of our eyes, but this one is just particularly transparent. And I'm just like, why Why am I not out there pounding the pavement about this shit? Because it's not just forget about, I mean, not forget about, but all the lost jobs, all the cut, whatever cuts that this guy is proposing, right? To uh, forget, forget that for a second. This is actually just a play to get people not to vote. It's just voter suppression. Or even if they do vote, vote by mail, they may not get counted. So this is just, this is actually, I feel like, an extension of just meddling with our elections on purpose. Mm-hmm. Of course. That's what I think it is, too. I mean, he's installed his own new postmaster general. The, the former postmaster general and him had kind of duked it out a little bit. They They weren't really getting along uh he was trying to force that postmaster general to raise shipping rates on amazon specifically because he doesn't like the owner of amazon who also owns the washington post and it happens to be the washington post who got a hold of this memo um here's something else new you know talking about people who work for the government the white house's presidential personnel office or the ppo this is the little organization that was run by really young people that were schmearnoff icing one another that (laughs) group yeah just the best of the bunch (laughs) right so they're conducting one-on-one interviews with health officials and hundreds of other political appointees across multiple federal agencies and exercise some some of the subjects have called loyalty tests to root out Uh threats of leaks and other potentially subversive acts just months before the presidential election this is according to interviews with 15 current and former senior administration officials the re-interviewing exercise is being led by johnny mcintee he's the 30 year old who's Mm -hmm. been put in charge of the ppo Trump aide since the 2016 campaign, and he was installed earlier this year as the chief of the White House personnel office and is responsible for filling thousands of jobs across the federal agencies. Okay, let's, I mean, I want, I want to spend some time on what are these loyalty tests actually, like, like, what does a 30 year old, like, I'm just trying to get into this guy's head. Is it like a keg stand competition or like who could like do play like um, beer pong better? Like at this point, I'm just like, what what are the loyalty tests? Like what, what what's, the, what's the process? I don't know. It's OK, bro. OK, bro. You got to you got to take this ping pong ball. Right. And you got to get it across <laughs> the table into one of those cups. Otherwise, you got to chug this natty light, bro. That's right. I think. Otherwise, you hate President Trump. Yeah. It's yeah. just so ridiculous. <laughs> they put out red cups and blue cups with Trump and Biden on them. And whichever one you make it in, it has oh. to be Trump. And if it's not, you know, you're you're out. You're ice. Ah! You're boofed. 
you gotta go you gotta go over to you gotta go over to squeeze yeah. and drink some skis <laughs> obviously Lindsey graham aced whatever loyalty test this was as as did jim jordan and some of his other more uh, ridiculous um allies so i'm just like i also w- really want to see a picture of this guy johnny like I just can picture him so clearly. I feel like I went to college with guys like him and they were just completely fucking insufferable and had no friends. And so immediately they get, you know, fail upwards, get like a really powerful job and all they do is just play mean girl to everybody that's under them. It's just, just the worst. Yeah, I just tweeted him. He 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 has that look. He's got that Rob Portman sort of Matt Gates kind of oh. dude bro. Oh God. Got, go wash nice your face, hair, Johnny. Mm. You know what I mean? Really nice like truly about. like go go wash your face go to bed brush your teeth just <laughs> you know just learn uh, how to be an adult first this is crazy i know it's bananas we got i still have two more to go i'm super sorry the next one oh. is uh um we had the hearing today in the mazars case between man this is actually pretty good this is pretty good stuff uh, between the, Mat- mm-hmm. the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, Cy Vance, and Trump's lawyers. As you know, SCOTUS ruled um, last week that Trump had uh, has to come up with a better excuse to block his financial documents from being handed over to the grand jury in the investigation into Stormy Daniels' catch-and-kill payoff slash Michael Cohen thing that uh, Cy Vance is doing in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Mm-hmm. So SCOTUS kicked it back down to the lower courts, and the judge asked in that court for briefings today uh, and and they had a hearing today. And the Manhattan DA argued, I'm just going to sum it up real briefly. Uh, we, You know, the Manhattan DA was like, we still have the same position. And then the Trump guys said, uh, we need more time to come up with a good excuse. And then the Manhattan DA's <laughs> office said, you've had over a year, bro. And then the judge, <laughs> the judge was like, yeah. So they said in this case, the, this is the upcoming schedule. It goes as follows. Trump has until July 27th, nine days from now, to file a better <laughs> excuse. Vance's motion to dismiss, which he'll he'll file, is, is due August right. 3rd. Trump's reply to him is due August 10th. And then Vance's reply to him is due August 14th. Huge fast track here. And, you know, with, there's yeah. going to be a hearing immediately after on August 14th. They are fast tracking the shit out of this, just like we predicted. So it's looking like Vance could get these documents before the election. But just to be clear, mm-hmm. the, the, the federal grand jury is getting these documents. It is not going to be released to the right. public. They are super secret. They will not right. leak. But we mm-hmm. could see indictments of the Trump org, Trump org executives, maybe even Trump himself. They are not bound by the Department of Justice Office of Legal Counsel memo that says you can't indict a sitting president. Ooh, ooh. This is this is the best news we've gotten all year. Well, maybe not all year, but I'm just wondering, like, who are they putting in charge of coming up with this better excuse? Is it Johnny McEntee? Because if so, then <laughs> we are in for a treat. <laughs> it's probably seculo. And yeah. his oh, group of weirdos. Ju- mm-hmm. I bet they've been on the phone with Giuliani, you know, Iceberg oh, guy. Yeah. Uh, they're probably talking to him. Who knows? Just... It's going to be bullshit, whatever it is, though. Yeah. Um, I just can't I, wait. I'm, I, I'm I confident. can't wait to hear. Come up with a better excuse, guys. <laughs> that Manhattan DA will win this case. Um, all right. And then finally, from NBC News, the National Security Council sent a list of allegations about Army Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman to the Pentagon after he testified before the House impeachment proceedings against Trump, according to a person who has seen the document and two others who were briefed on it. 
The Pentagon received this document, which alleged that Vindman created a hostile work environment at the NSC and was on track to be promoted. He was on track to be promoted to colonel. The accusations outlined in it, uh, if substantiated, would have kept him from moving up a rank in the army. And the people familiar with the document told uh, NBC this. Uh, They said it was not the typical evaluation that the military offers. Um, or that, excuse me, that military officers serving on the NSC are given. It's not a normal, you know, performance evaluation when they're in temporary positions, Um, you know, and they're set to return to the Defense Department. But as Vindman was scheduled to do do so after about six months after this document was sent to the Pentagon, um, he was going to go back to the DOD because that's Mm -hmm. a temporary assignment being on the National Security Council. The NSC is housed in the White House. It's chaired by the president, although it's managed day-to-day by the National Security Advisor. Uh, The Pentagon conducted a command-level investigation into these allegations, looking for evidence to substantiate the claims about Vindemann's conduct while he was detailed to the NSC. Uh, But ultimately, the military could not corroborate any of the accusations. (laughs) Included in the list was an accusation that Vindemann had verbally abused a colleague and a senior administration official told... Uh, NBC that because he'd seen the document have they met him like have they met him once I know I know. <laughs> like, no this guy is the opposite of that other like you know putz 30 year old guy who's been in charge of hiring people like he is I mean just just watching him for however many days did he just do one day it must have just been one day at the impeachment hearings but it seemed like a week and and you can just tell so much by the way that people conduct themselves in that setting because it's such a high pressured environment i cannot believe for one second that he had created any kind of hostility in any i mean he barely even ra- he didn't even raise his voice when people were badgering him so i just uh, <laughs> it's just so gross you know. Yeah, like how Kavanaugh did, how he cried and yeah. yelled, "You do you drink beer, Senator?" Oh, like, God, wow. My fr- what is it, my friend right? Brett? My friend Brett and I like beer. Yeah, and it's just, it's yeah. just so incredibly sad because clearly this man and his brother have dedicated their lives to this country and to the service, and 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 to be denied um, a, a promotion that was rightfully his right i mean like there was no other reason why he wouldn't have gotten this promotion and i'm assuming that also came with like better pay better uh maybe better benefits i'm not sure how it works but it just like fucking with someone's livelihood because they don't like you or you don't like them is just unforgivable yeah i know a little bit about it yeah you sure do that that's that's what's going on with um should be colonel vindeman but uh, you know we know he has retired yeah, and let's hope both of in both of your cases you get very lucrative book deals, so we can <laughs> yeah, we'll all see. we can all make make up for that bad behavior by the government. Yeah, or just read a fascinating story. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, thanks for joining me for these uh, one good and five yucky headlines. <laughs> I really appreciate. Uh... <laughs> Listen, one out of five is not so bad. Okay, starting off my thirty second year with just a bit of good news. Yeah, not in not in in these times. You're right. You're right. I'll exactly. take one uh, over none. So I appreciate you coming on. Tell everybody where they can find you, Amy. You can find me at on Instagram at on Instagram. Um, my handle is at Amy Carrero, and on Twitter the same A I M E E C A R R E R O. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Of course, and we'll see you next Friday. You're going to be here every Friday from now, and I'm really excited about it. I so, can't believe it. Good everybody, and tell them. <laughs> very very excited tell your friends do you know who else is on the show today who 
you're going to love it. It's uh, former assistant director to the FBI for counterintelligence, Frank Figlizzi, who will be joining me later. <laughs> Woo, I fooled AG and everybody at the Daily Bees into giving me this weekly job. No, dude, you are incredible, and I really appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be so right back much. after this quick break with said former acting director of the FBI uh, for counterintelligence. No, excuse me, not acting, assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, Frank Figluzzi, right after this. Stay with us. Thanks again, Amy. Thank you. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Like most of you, I've been socially distancing, working from home, reducing unnecessary trips out, wearing a mask. If you're trying to avoid the crowds of grocery stores, try Sunbasket. A Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door. It's a perfect, tasty solution for these crazy COVID times. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences and restrictions, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. And they make it easy and convenient. Everything is pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook. And you can enjoy a full meal of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how good you are in the kitchen, which is good because I'm bad. Uh, each week, Sunbasket offers a wide range of recipes to choose from. You can try Hwasan steak strip lettuce cups with pickled daikon and carrots, black bean, uh, black bean tostadas Diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole. That's my new favorite. I was doing roasted salmon with miso glazed eggplant all the time, but I'm, now I'm, now I'm on to the, the black bean tostadas Diablo. Anyway, they have amazing recipes. You can skip a week. You can double up on your favorites. Uh, and Sunbasket facilities have the highest level of food and employee safety. This is very important to us here. Uh, they reinforce strict adherence to their current operating procedures, and they've increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers, and they do that to protect you and your family and their employees. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and then enter promo code dailybeans for $35 off your order. Again, sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, joining me today to discuss election security is former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence and MSNBC national security analyst Frank Figaluzzi. Frank, welcome back. He is always. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you talking to me today because of uh, something that happened in Trump's Rose Garden rally. We'll call it a rally because a few weeks ago, you and I had a discussion about Congress and Trump's China trap. And today you penned a piece for NBC News about Trump's uh, recent Rose Garden uh, speech with regards to China. Can you tell us a little bit about your piece and uh, the upcoming potential threat to the 2020 election? Yeah, sure. I look, it's it's the the prompt and trigger for me writing this piece began um, months ago. I've had this thing drafted for a while, and I wanted to confirm that I was looking in the right direction. And the Rose Garden uh, rally, as we call it, on Tuesday, simply confirmed it and confirmed it enough for, for NBC to say, yeah, we're, we're going to go ahead and, and publish this thing. So here's what triggered me early on. Obviously, we all know that beginning in at least March, the president kept started bashing China for the coronavirus response. He went from saying that China leadership was doing the right thing, was working hard, and then we saw it turn. As things got ugly in the United States, he needed a fall guy. China was the convenient fall guy. So we saw, uh, for example, by the end of March, the last two weeks of March, he over 20 times he used the phrase China flu or Kung flu, and, and it became a theme. Well, that then morphed as the months went by. That morphed into an a, a, a outright bashing of China writ large, increased trade tensions, talk of banning the TikTok app, for example, 
And, and then joining the chorus were the Attorney General and the Secretary of State. So I paid very close attention to the shift in posture towards China. And then when I began to see the rhetoric combined with mail-in ballot fraud, so now we see the theme of mail-in ballot fraud. There's going to be massive fraud is the allegation coming from Trump and his team that the mail-in ballots are going to be subjected to foreign power interference. They started saying things like, you're going to see foreign powers inject fake uh, ballots into the mail system. And then one day, what really got my attention was the president flipped. And he said, no, it's going to be China. Not going to be Russia. It's going to be China. So when you hear a president say something like that, right, Wait, wait a minute. It, you, you've actually identified the foreign power in advance that's going to commit fraud in your election? What is that about? And then, and then in the last few weeks, you can see a third element, which is that Biden, the opponent, is now being lumped in with China. And in the Rose Garden, the kind of the last straw for me was we saw all three elements. China bashing. We saw mail-in ballot fraud mentioned by the president. And then we saw Biden is a gift to communist China, quote, unquote. That was enough for me to say I'm going ahead with the article, um, which was posted this morning on NBC Think, and I'm saying this. He is grooming us. He is preparing the battlefield to say, if this election doesn't go my way, I am going to claim that China, comma, not Russia, but China, messed with the election. That's where this is headed. And when you see the Attorney General of the United States weighing in and saying things like, uh, yep, uh, foreign power, ballot fraud, a real concern of mine, with absolutely no intel or defensible data behind it. Because all of the, all of the election experts, AG, are telling us, hey, look, mail-in ballot fraud, not that big a deal. We've got barcodes on most of these in most counties and states. We know how many we sent out. We'll know how many we get back. We're really not concerned about it. And all of a sudden, Barr comes out and says, oh, foreign power, real concern of mine. Um, Pompeo comes out and bashes China, talks about um, how they're capable of anything. Look, it's a complete turnaround. They're, they're throwing Biden into the mix, and they're throwing ballot fraud into the mix. The president flipped, said China's going to do it, not Russia. This is a clue in my old line of work. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I wrote the article to say, every time you hear China being bashed and and mail-in ballot fraud thrown into the mix you are being you're you're being given a clue as to what's going to happen in november yeah and we had uh ellen weintraub uh of the fec come out and with her uh statistical analysis showing that of the 10 to 12 million mail-in ballots that we've that we've uh, accepted since i think the year 2000 there have been 491 instances of an issue um, very, 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 very tiny percentage. And then, of course, you know, you and I had discussed when the Republican National Committee sent a memo to all GOP candidates when when asked about coronavirus to pivot to blame China to deflect from Donald Trump. And then, of course, now this week, the new postmaster general has told employees to leave mail behind at distribution centers uh, if it is, you know, if it delays letter carriers from their routes, which could have serious impacts on vote by mail come November um, so, you know, you say in your piece that Trump's attacks on the USPS are not isolated and random. And as you just said, all three of these things sort of put together 
like you said, uh, one big clue uh, as to what's going to happen. So how do we combat this? Uh, I, I know I've asked you this before. How do we help ensure that we have at least not an issue-free election? I don't think any election is issue-free, but at least these giant issues that could impact it and it could you know, even lead Trump to hold on to power when, uh, you know, when and if he loses. So first, um, I'm, I'll echo what you just said. This will not be an issue-free election. There's no way, no how. Number, number two, the best defense against a great offense like Trump is planning is, is to get out in front of it and, and know what's about to happen. So calling it out, like I'm doing in this article, saying, we're on to you. We demand the data. If you're claiming massive mail-in ballot fraud is going to happen, let's see the data behind it. And the data's not there. And, I'm, and AJ, I want to be careful here on a couple of things. I want, to, I want to say two things. One, I've spent much of my counterintelligence career in the FBI working to counter the Chinese intelligence threat. They are bad actors on a global level. They want to hurt us and dominate us. I am not saying that they won't try to hurt us. I'm not saying that they, we won't experience foreign power involvement in the election. In fact, we probably will. What I'm saying is, that Trump is planning to assert that no matter what. And so we've got to be able to call it out and demand the data. And then as we get closer to November, and if the polling continues uh, against Trump, and if the election is turning against him, let's all just hunker down and be prepared to counter the assertion that China did it, that China messed with the election, or some other foreign power came in and worked on Biden's behalf. Because when you, that's that third element, right? When you when you hear them throwing Biden into China, saying he's a gift to the Communist Party, he's soft on China, you can see what's happening. They're, they're preparing us to say, oh, Biden must be a friend of China. China wanted Biden to win. China acted on his behalf to help him win. It's, the, it's a masterful chess move that, that essentially turns completely around the Russia scandal, right? Because Trump's been living now for almost four years under this under this cloud of, oh, Russia helped me win, well, he's going to turn that right around and go, oh, yeah, yeah, trying to help Biden win. That, that, and it's a scorched earth policy. So call it out, be aware of the facts and data, and, and don't stand for it. Now, on the election security side, this is going to be very, very local. You've got to, as a voter, you've got to demand that your city, county, state registrar voters, your secretary of state is all over this with regard to how they're going to secure mail-in ballots. Demand answers. Go to town hall meetings. Write in. Talk to your registrar. Um, if you're active at all, um, get more active and say, I demand answers on how we're going to secure a lot of mail-in balloting. And there, there's no, you mentioned the, the postmaster general. There's, there's no mystery as to why Trump put his guy as the new postmaster general. The guy is controlling our post, postal system in what, in what will be the largest mail-in of voter turnout we've ever seen is a Trumpster. And we've got to we've got to be all over him to ensure that he's not going to gain this like they've gained everything else. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up the the idea that, you know, we have to be you know, when you when you say these things you you want to be clear and that you don't think China will be, you know, uh free and clear of any wrongdoing. And I think that that is what was the central argument that you made uh, to Democrats uh, uh, weeks ago 
uh, I can't, time is weird to me. It could have been two years ago, but I think it was weeks ago <laughs> that uh, you talked about the China trap and that, and that it was like an all or nothing thing that they were trying to drag the Democrats into, right? Yeah, that's the beauty of what Trump is trying to plant right now, which is if you come out, so, so let's assume that November, he, he doesn't like the way this thing went. He claims there was massive fraud. China was behind it in the election. Now let's see your Democratic leadership. What do you do? If you come out and say, China, China's great, they didn't do this, there's no evidence of this, you look like you're pro-China. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, 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 and so he's, he knows that. He's going to make them appear to be defending China and not the American election system. So it's, it's a bit of a trap that he's laying. It, it continues with the China trap. The facts are going to get out eventually. This, this is not going to be successful, but it's going to create chaos in the first week of November, uh, let me assure you. And and the other thing is, you know, he's surrounded by people who will defend what he says. And you say, come on, no one's going to actually come out and, and defend the notion that, you know, there was, there was not a clear winner in an election. And I say to that, all you need to do is look at the behavior of people like Mike Pompeo, people like Attorney General Barr, who've come out and said things um, but either spinning the special counsel report or claiming, for example, as Pompeo did, that he had overwhelming evidence mm-hmm. that China China created um, the virus that came out of a Wuhan lab. There was absolutely no evidence of that. He had to back off of that. And then look, and what I'm proposing, look at what the, uh, who the DNI is now. The director of national intelligence is, again, a crony of the president. So when the nation will turn to the DNI, if this happens in November, and say, what say you, DNI, about massive election fraud by a foreign power? And he'll sit there and go, ah, maybe we have overwhelming evidence of it. We've got to work on it. Looks like it could have happened. We'll be in a mess until mm-hmm. the facts come out. And that's, I think it's a scorched earth policy, as I say in the article, could go even more toward um, ruining the election for the winner than actually trying to win, right? Because he, he, he's not going to go down quietly. If he loses, he's going to make life untenable for the winner, just as he feels he's been tainted throughout his tenure. Yeah, we were all worried about that uh, with uh, Hillary Clinton as well. So uh, that, sh- that, shouldn't, that shouldn't be... It shouldn't come as a surprise, although every time he sinks to these new depths, I still am shocked. So <laughs> I, I can't get over it, I guess. I'm telling you, every, every time we hear falsehoods and lies, um, and he trying, he's trying to control the narrative, whether it's, whether, whether it's uh, hospitals being told they have to report everything directly to HHS and no longer to CDC, or whether it's claiming massive voter fraud and Biden's with China, um, caught out when you see it and hunker down for what will be a very confusing first week in November. All right. Well, we'll continue to have you on. We'll continue to amplify this story so that we can just all be prepared. I think knowing is is nine tenths of the battle and and, uh, we'll you know, we'll keep We'll keep everybody posted on on how this unfolds. Uh, uh, Former assistant director of the FBI for counterintelligence, MSNBC national security analyst, Frank Figluzzi, thanks again for taking time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for letting me have a voice, AG. Everybody stick around right after this quick break. We'll be back with Jordan Coburn and the Good News Block. You don't want to miss it, so stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Earlier in the show, you heard me talk about my Helix mattress and how it changed everything because it was customized just for me and solved my sleep issues. 
Well, I'm excited to share with you that Helix has launched a new company called Allform. It's gone beyond the bedroom to revolutionize furniture for the rest of your home. Hooray! Allform makes amazing, beautiful, customizable sofas and chairs delivered to you directly with fast free shipping. They allow you to customize your own sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. Normally, if you want a custom sofa, it takes weeks or months to arrive, and you would need someone to assemble it in your home. But Allform takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail. Three to seven days. And you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes with no tools. Allform uh, lets you pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, which is excellent for pod pets. They, uh, you get to pick your color and the color of the legs and the size and the shape to make sure it's perfect for you. I picked out an Allform three-seater sofa, customized it in whiskey-colored leather. I could never have a leather couch before with the pod pets, but because of their amazing spill, stain, and scratch-resistant fabric, I can. I got a walnut-leg finish and a chaise lounge. It got here in a couple days. I put it together myself, which was easy. It's roomy, it's modern, and the fact that it was designed to my specific specifications is the coolest part. They have gorgeous armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight-seat sectional, so there's something for everyone, and you can start small, and if you move into a bigger place or you need more room, you can buy more seats later on. And best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free, give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty, literally a forever warranty. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans, and Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. That's allform.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Joining me today for the good news is Jordan Coburn. Jordan, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Happy Thursday, Friday. Yes, happy weekend nearly. I think in California that we sort of start the weekend on Thursdays. I don't know if that's true everywhere else. Uh, since COVID, we kind of have kicked it back to Tuesdays. But, you know, I think Thursdays yes. is reasonable. Yes, totally. I had a Stella today at 1030 in the morning. Hell yeah. Nice. <laughs> Those are good. Yeah, yeah. My neighbor gave me like a bunch of them for free, which was really, really nice. They're craft brew drinkers because this is San Diego, you know. So they were like, get this shit piss beer out of my face. Here you go, Jordan. You can take this. <laughs> like, hell yeah. Too good I'll for Stella. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's a very bougie beer scene here. I know. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a lot of good news submitted uh, by our listeners, patrons and, and listeners alike. And I'm really excited because uh, these are some really, really good ones. And if you have any good news to submit, you know where to do it. Dailybeanspod.com. Just click on the contact or you can do it at our pinned tweet. Uh, on Twitter at Daily Beans Pod, follow us there too. Uh, you'll all your wildest dreams will come true. Um, do you want to kick us off with the first yeah. uh, good news story, Jordan? Yes, I would love to. Thank you. First up is from Sheila. Pronounce she her. Sheila says, "My good news. I live in New Zealand, and my American husband's family, who are Mormon, are mostly Trumpers or try to ignore what is happening." However, I've never met his gay brother, who is banished from the church, but is loved, in quotes, by the family, as we have only visited a couple times since we got married, and he hasn't been around when we have. However, since we are friends on Facebook, and since I have started posting more anti-45 stuff in my personal feed, we have started chatting. Yesterday was his birthday, and my husband got a reply back to his card saying how glad he was that we hadn't drunk the Kool-Aid like the rest of the family. I'm glad that when we get to go over again, I will have an ally at family gatherings. Mind you, I don't know if they'll let him bring his husband along. Yeah, that's, uh, I got a lot of Mormon friends that have, uh, or ex-Mormon friends that have similar stories as, as your, your brother-in-law. It's, it's sad for Mm -hmm. sure, but, but that's, that's beautiful that you all have connected. 
Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like our family ha- is has a million people in it, but only one of them is a Trumper, like a like a vocal one. You know, if there's anybody else there, keep it secret because they know better. So um, that's got to be just. And I know that we I've seen tons of stories in our in our closed social media groups from patrons who have to deal with you know, Trump supporting family members, it's, it's really hard. It's like, it's, I can't imagine how, how tough that is to, to have to cope with family members, you know, that, that are like that. But um, anyway, thanks for that good news story. I'm glad you've got an ally that you can like, just kind of sort of cling to during those gatherings that mm-hmm. that'll be helpful when we can all get back together again. Yep, definitely. Um, all right, next from anonymous pronouns, she, her. Hi, leguminati. I love it. <laughs> That's, That's uh, amazing. <laughs> the beans illuminati, leguminati. My good news is that I finally got back to writing my newspaper after a year-long drought, and my guest opinion was in yesterday's paper. Uh, writing to my newspaper, excuse me. Uh, a lot of media outlets were giving credit to my GOP congressman, Brian Fitzpatrick, for his police reform vote. Y'all talked about uh, Fitz a few weeks back. He's the dude who pretends to be moderate, but who brings hardcore GOP folks like Carl Rove and House Minority Leader Steve McCarthy to town to fundraise for him. In my letter, I gave the context that was missing from so many articles about Fitzpatrick's police reform vote and showed how, within the span of 39 minutes, he managed to vote to both allow and ban chokeholds uh, and the same for no-knock raids and qualified immunity. But the key here is that while a lot of us are active on social media, we can't forget to take, th- take things into traditional media where we can. In my region, southeastern Pennsylvania, a 70-year-old is four times more likely to vote than a 20-year-old. And not all that many 70-year-olds are on Twitter, so we need to get our message in front of them. Get writing those letters to your paper. It's really rewarding. Thank you. That's beautiful and very needed. Yeah, what a good point, too, about how different generations consume news. You know, we, we do have to remember that. Yeah, definitely. I do find it really awesome, though, to see Twitter is increasingly, at least the the people that are following us and stuff, it's increasingly being taken up by a more diverse age group. There's people from all kinds of generations that are on there and engaged, but overall, for sure, there's so much work that needs to be done to reach out to all different kinds of voter groups throughout like all the platforms, and typically Twitter is geared towards younger people, um, for sure, and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, thank you so much, Anonymous. Uh, next up, for oh wait, no, yes, that was Anonymous. Next up, another Anonymous one, pronoun she, her. I'm a female engineer and have worked in a manufacturing environment for 15 years until leaving a year ago. The last two years were extremely toxic to the point where I was fighting for my legitimacy on a daily basis. After starting with my new company, I attended a Women in STEM roundtable about how to best promote women, have witnessed respectful, italicized, respectful disagreements, and uh, disagreements, and can see women and people of color throughout the org chart, even in the upper levels. With recent events around race relations, the company then posted resources for learning about institutional racism, quizzes on finding your hidden biases, held a virtual town hall uh, with an expert about being an ally, and also asked employees to schedule in 30 minutes each month to your calendar to remind you to learn more about how to support people of color in the workplace. It is so refreshing to see this reaction at a global multi-billion dollar company. I told my husband I think I had to experience that toxic environment to truly appreciate how great it is to work at a place that can admit it isn't perfect and strive to improve the life of its employees every day. That's wonderful. I love hearing big companies doing that stuff. Big companies always have the biggest reach, typically, so Mm -hmm. 
they have mm-hmm. i think i think that means that they have even more of a responsibility to do the right thing so that's that's wonderful to hear thank you so much for sending that yeah in. and that's got to be a huge like f- like a burden feeling lifted off your shoulders to to not have to fight for your legitimacy on a daily basis like she was saying um it it, it really has to really that that kind of battle those kind of daily battles really do a number on on your mental health and your well-being and you know your ability to to you know be kind to yourself I mean it just it reaches so many different aspects uh of your life and so um to have to have now be in a place where you aren't you know maybe you're fighting for your legitimacy but not on a daily basis and not to the levels that you had to before so that's great Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. definitely um next up from Mary, she, her, as you know, all New York City Broadway shows have been canceled through January 3rd, 2021. What you may not know is that Seth Rudetsky and his husband, James Wesley, have started a daily online streaming show called Stars in the House to support the Actors Fund. Seth Rudetsky is an actor, writer, and Sirius XM radio host. They started doing this show back in March and have been going strong every day ever since. You can watch these shows for free. You can also donate to the Actors Fund if you want to and and if you want to and are able to. And they have a plethora of actors in their show, such as members of the cast from Star Trek Voyager and members of the cast from 30 Rock. The Actors Fund is a nonprofit organization that provides housing, social services, and emergency financial assistance to people who work in the arts. So actors, dancers, singers, stagehands, etc. You can find more information at starsinthehouse.com. Just wanted to give a shout out to this bit of online programming because watching these shows has given me something to look forward to over the last four months. That's amazing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, that's so cool. I know uh, when John Krasinski was doing his Some Good News segment and he had the Hamilton episode where they all came in and did a song for, it was a little girl that had wanted to see the play but wasn't going to be able to because of COVID. It was incredible. Um, I was blown away at how full of an experience it was, even just through a bunch of squares popping up. And they, they produced it in such a cool way, too. So, so it's it's entirely possible to experience something that typically is experienced live, but still, still really get the same sort of similar, at least, uh, kind of you know, moving rise out of it when you see it. So thank you for sharing that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, it's really important, too, to keep funding the arts. Um, so if, if you can help, definitely check out starsinthehouse.com. Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh, all right, next up from Sarah, pronoun she, her. Sarah says, I don't have Twitter, so I haven't been able to show you, but the good news is that amongst your pod pups and pod cats, you also have a pod olot. What? <laughs> what is that? Yes. Oh my god, that is there's a picture attached and this is a it's like a bearded dragon of a fish. Wow. Yeah, he's got little wings and feet and a big tail and he looks amphibious. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is it's an olot it's called. It looks like a like a like a platypus and a fish and a dragon all had sex together if three things could do that (laughs) and create one (laughs) being that's amazing wow okay vasquez uh the big beautiful girl in the attached photo permission to share to twitter has of course we have to share this to twitter because i've never seen anything like this before so we should definitely do that (laughs) uh has of course been listening although she is underwater so she might not have heard everything clearly (laughs) 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 i also have some good news about her apart from growing twice as big as standard axolotls 
She is the size of a six-foot-long sub. I finally was able to buy a chiller for her aquarium. Uh, axolotls get stressed and die when their tank water is too hot, 73 degrees, which I don't even classify as hot, but whatevs, be dramatic. <laughs> now, though, she will, be, she will be cool and chill, and I won't have to panic, thinking she might be boiling. Thanks for keeping your eye on the ball for the U.S. peeps living outside the U.S. I listen every day while I have lunch. Thank you so much, Sarah. That is the dopest pet I've ever seen, I think, actually. She's a foot long. Holy majolly. Yeah, that looks incredibly majestic. What the fuck is this? I, my brain can't wrap my head around what this is. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, let's check. Let's check. Let's check. Oh, my let's gosh. Do you see these little like, fur like twirly things coming out of its neck? Yes. Wow. Wow. That water temperature thing, though, that hits home because when I was a child, uh, my sister, my older sister, I think it was, she accidentally killed her fish changing the water. She just, like, boiled them to death, and it was really sad because she changed, she changed oh. their, yeah, she changed the, it was just, like, one fish in, like, a relatively small fish bowl. Not that that makes the fish's life any less important, but it was a tiny fish in a tiny bowl, and she... Dropped the fish, you know, in some other container and then filled it up with new water. But I guess the water was, like, boiling hot and it boiled the fish. I know. No. she. I know she, like, if my memory is correct, my mom, if she's listening, she could correct me on this. But I'm pretty sure she, like, flipped on the water and then I feel like I have a memory of, like, walking out of the room and then coming back in and being like, oh, God, well, gone too soon. Well, I I was right here. The axolotl is an amphibian, not a fish. Um, it's, uh, let's see, Spanish ejolote, also known as the Mexican walking fish. It's a neotenic salamander related to the tiger salamander. That makes sense. Uh, it's colloquial, colloquially known as a walking fish, though it's not a fish. It's an amphibian. It was originally found in several lakes um, un uh, underlying Mexico City. Axolotls are... Uh, uh, unusual among amphibians uh, in that they reach adulthood without undergoing metamorphosis. Instead of developing lungs and taking to the land, adults remain aquatic and gilled. Huh. <laughs> wow. They're often confused with water dogs. Okay. <laughs> oh, my they gosh. They were near extinction in 2010, but uh, due to urbanization in Mexico City... Uh, as well as their introduction uh, of an invasive species such as tilapia and perch. They're currently listed as an endangered species uh, in the wild. They are used extensively in scientific research due to their ability to regenerate limbs. Jesus Christ. This is the coolest animal I've ever heard of. This is an alien. Yeah, it really is. It ha these, these amazing things coming out of like the nape of its neck are incredible at the picture we're looking at. I hope everybody yeah. by this point is Googled and is enjoying this with us because this is... Mm. Wow. And this one is such a pretty color, too. Vasquez, it's like a... Mm -hmm. It's like a dark, like, purpley... Hell yeah. Dude, save these those shits. Are, those are... Get that. Those things coming out of the side, those are three pairs of external gill stalks originating behind their heads. They're used to move oxygenated water. The external gill rami are lined with filaments to increase the surface area for gas exchange. Four slits lined with gill rakers. Gill rakers are <laughs> hidden underneath the external gills. Wow. Fuck yes. That's crazy. You guys got to check it out. Yeah. That's for amazing. Real. We That's have to share so this on cool. Twitter. 
That's so cool. <laughs> well, that's a great way. That's uh, our, our last piece of good news for today. That's incredible. Yes. I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, me too. It's not every day you learn of an entire, li- like you see something you've actually just never seen before. That's that's mm. that's pretty cool. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, those are the good news stories. Uh, like I said, if you have more, you know where to, to, to turn them in. We already went over that. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here, Jordan? I do not. Have a great weekend, everyone. Yeah, everyone have a good weekend. We will see you later on uh, for the happy hour meet and greet. Um, for patrons at 4 p.m. Pacific, and then we open it up to the public at 5. So uh, check it out. We'll be tweeting out the links to that from both of our accounts, at Muller She Wrote and at Daily Beans Pod. Until then, everyone take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.